Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Noxherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuanti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Cotter, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include amnesia, memory loss, complex and complicated relationships, death of loved ones, manipulation, fantasy violence, gore, heights, and falling. Arc 6, Episode 14, Giants and Generals from The Soul by Anne Gorick. Abiku, you close your eyes, the Raven Queen's voice ringing in your head like a prayer bell. A chill wind blows across your face. You smell winter, ice, memory. And when you open your eyes, you're still standing on that balcony. But everything is gray. The vast expanse of Nitbuza's teardrop a thousand feet below. The yearning teeth of mountains. The rhyme-slick banister. Only the raven, perched upon the railing, blooms with dark color. Its feathers are black, but glowing pinpricks blossom within its wings like starlight. Turn around, Abiku. Face your destiny. Sure, yeah. I 100% like whiplash turn around fast. And when you whip around, you see a floating thread of black light, beautiful as death, leading you back inside the citadel. And you feel compelled to follow. I think uh I don't think uh I will grab it and like start like well I like when I take it I don't know she's like I might need to take this I'm like taking it with me as I start walking following it you hold on to this thread of black light it blooms with heat within your grasp and you go you follow that light I think down 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 a hallway your footsteps sounding muffled like you're at the bottom of a lake 
everything feels dreamy, disattached almost. Like you're having an out-of-body experience without actually being outside of your body. And everything around you is gray. Just like on the balcony, the ancient walls rising around you, the vaulted ceilings, the statues, the stairways, everything except that floating strand of black light. And eventually, Abiku, you are guided to a foyer, to a painting mounted on its wall. It's a small painting, humble, unremarkable even, but you feel drawn to it, like the thread like the raven, this painting is in full color. It depicts a forest made of black glass, and nestled within that forest is a cottage. Once upon a time, there was a girl. She was a hunter, living off the land, taking what she needed and nothing more. Her father, taught her grace and magic, the names of birds, the stories of rivers, the impeccable joy of sitting and witnessing. Her other father taught her strength and honesty, how to talk directly, how to fletch an arrow, how to win a fight. If only all stories ended there, on the precipice of childhood, before the blade twists. Abiku, you feel that tugging again, that glowing thread urging you onward to a different part of the citadel. And you follow. You walk past gray libraries, through gray gardens, around gray vestibules, until you reach a museum one of many here filled with ancient artifacts. The thread pauses in front of a long display box filled to the brim with weapons. Arrowheads, daggers, knives, each bursting with color. There was a war. There was a draft. Her father's left home, and only one came back. The girl grew up took up arms, swore to protect what she had left. And in the war, she was told to kill not for survival, but for glory. She didn't understand. Why were they fighting? Why couldn't they just talk like her father taught her? When would the bloodshed end? Abiku, the thread tugs you onward, and for the third time, you follow. You exit the vast, echoing chambers of this museum, and you enter a greenhouse. Flowers in monochrome bloom, the smell of pollen dull against your senses. It's humid here, warm, broad fronds branching in every direction. The thread leads you toward a humble garden bed filled with all kinds of flowers, but only one bursts with color. A collection of lavender. And then the girl met her. The soldier from the other side. 
fist to her face, inches from death, the girl called her beautiful. And she staggered, and they saw each other, truly witnessed, recognized the differences, and also the similarities. And they began to meet, in secret, away from their leaders, in the hidden places, groves full of flowers and grass, caves with multicolored crystals behind the roaring spray of waterfalls. They fell in love, and their love spoke to us. Abiku, the thread compels you forward. Away from this warm garden in full bloom, through a hallway, toward the top of a flight of stairs, spiraling down, down, down. The thread descends, wraps into gray darkness. As it starts going down, I think Abiku is just like, what? How, how does it end? Soon, child. Soon you will know everything. Follow that thread to the end, and you'll understand both the end of your story and the beginning of it. Are you sure I am ready? You are ready. Like I said, you are on the precipice, and now we fall. <sighs> okay. And I'll start walking again. As your muffled, dull footsteps go down every step, the Raven Queen continues in your mind. The girl and her beloved wanted the fighting to end. So did we. Our children had been fighting for a thousand years. We watched from the beyond with agony and pain. When we first wove mortal life into being, we agreed we would let you make your own choices, become your own people. But this, this had gone too far. We came to them, the girl and her beloved, the eight of us, and we bestowed upon them small parcels of our favor. Little blessings to turn the tide, to stop the war. And Abiku, you travel down, down, down this flight of stairs, this ever-turning wheel, this gossamer journey toward the final destination of your memory. And as your form, I think, starts to vanish into the darkness, we pull out, out until we see the hallway becoming smaller, the stairs growing minuscule, and we see a sort of rippling rush ripple over the top of your head, and we understand this rush to be a ring, spinning around a tapestry in the center of a hidden chamber. And as we pull away from this one vision of dozens, perhaps even hundreds of other places in the Citadel, we see Jaron at the edge of this chasm, observing these rings in order. Jaron, 
you see a biku going down a flight of stairs among one of many other visions suspended within these swirling corridors. What are you doing? I think it hasn't been that long since the conversation with V. Maybe an hour, maybe two at this point. So Jaron honestly hasn't left this spot since then. They've been sitting here continuing with the weaving that they were doing, the thread starting to form a little bit of an image. They didn't have an idea for what they were going to make. They just kind of were absentmindedly doing something with their hands so that he doesn't have to focus on anything else, doesn't have to focus on his thoughts. And so he's kind of similarly absentmindedly looking at the rings, not fully paying attention to them, I think. I think his attention is more so pulled towards the tapestry itself, fixated intently on that last bit that is weaving and reweaving itself. I think Jaron is waiting to see whether or not it will complete itself. Okay. Jaron, as you fiddle with your own weft work, glancing occasionally up at the spiraling rings, at this constantly unknitting and re-knitting, chaotically swirling tapestry. You notice gentle in one of the swirling, spinning threads of place uh, that warp around the tapestry. You see your friend's face. You see gentle in some sort of darkened chamber, surrounded on all sides by spindly instruments, bubbling liquids and vials, and bud, gray, massive, bristling, stiff, unalert, at attention. And as we push into this scene, poof, we find gentle and bud in this lab, surrounded by the acrid smell of chemicals, those notes splayed out as pure, malicious evidence across a mahogany desk and gentle your ears prick as we hear footsteps coming down the hallway toward you. Uh, gentle? Gentle? Uh, someone's coming. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to pocket the most damning evidence, or as much as I can. Okay, uh, make me a sleight of hand check to see how much stuff you can grab. Okay. Oh boy, this is this is stressful. Uh, sixteen. Oh wait, no, my bad. Misread that. Uh, that's twenty. Twenty. Okay, that's pretty good. You you shove a lot of stuff into your pockets, into your sack, into your satchels, etc. You're just like grabbing stuff off, and you get like a good chunk of the journals, of the scattered papers, of the diagrams, of the calculations. You just shove it all in. But at that point, I think because you choose to grab evidence over get getting out, uh, the footsteps I think suddenly hang like a right, and they like almost like speed up. Because I think you, like, the door is, like, busted in. <laughs> like, there's no door anymore. So presumably whoever was coming down the corridor noticed there was just a hole in the wall. Uh, so the footsteps speed up, uh, and you hear Bud growl. Uh, and on the growl, you also hear a voice coming from the threshold of the door. But what the? I'm sorry, I can explain. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm going to use Fog Cloud. <laughs> I love that. Okay, what does Fog Cloud look like? Um, normally it manifests from Gentle's hands. So I think it is just like Gentle's hands are just kind of softly humming a little bit uh, with a little 
almost a gray mist just coming from their fingertips. Um, as they like sort of shake their hands and go, I'm really sorry. And then like an explosion of like fog and like mist begins to just block their peer or block everything around them. You're literally like a ninja throwing a smoke bomb. <laughs> yes. When you're caught doing something. Yeah. Oof. Immediately gray mist expands out of your glowing fingers and just balloons up, propagates to fill this room and it even spills out of the threshold and down the corridor from how thick it is. And you hear that voice go, oh, what the? Hey, hey, excuse me. You can't just be hello. Um, and I think as you're using this as cover, you hear that growling mounting in Bud's throat like explode into a fever pitch and Bud springs up and attacks this person. Uh, so, does their attack have disadvantage because they can't, because it's obscure? Well, actually, they're using scent, so it would be normal. Oh, no. I don't, oh, no. That is a natural 18, which would hit. Uh, so you just sort of see Bud's huge form just disappear, like, disappear into the murk, and, and they hit something solid, and you hear, ah! Uh, and a smacking noise, as whoever this person is, like, gets plowed to the ground uh, by Bud's immense form, and you just hear, biting and snarling and scratching and this person goes, oh god, please oh god, and like Bud goes I like yell in Morosi, stop like authoritatively there is a pause <sighs> but but gentle gentle, I haven't I haven't fought anything in so long and this is a bad guy, right? This is the guy that made the poison? Let me just oh. Let me just no, show no, him no, a no, lesson. No, let me don't. just let me just butcher him. We don't know if that's the person who made the poison. Uh, I am. I did make the poison. I I. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, see, see. No, let no. Just, so first let me thing, no, let me, no, let me, no butchering. Let me butcher. No butchering, because we can still we can still ask questions. We have the person who made the poison right here. We can get answers. No butchering. Yeah, yes, please, 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 I'll tell you everything. I, <coughs> please, oh God, uh, I have a family. I just, I'm just doing this as a job, please. I, <coughs> and hear like a really weak cough and like a gurgle of blood. And this person who you still haven't seen because they're obscured now, uh, as they're like pleading and begging for their life. And Bud on top, you sort of see like their massive shadowy, like direwolf form through the murk. And you sort of see their head sort of turn to look over their shoulder. And I need you to roll, like, persuasion or animal handling. Can I get anything for this? Can Let's say you have you have advantage if you're appealing to, like, Bud's gentle side. I am. I absolutely am going to be. Yeah, go for it. Thank. Okay, that's not... It's not great. It's a 13, but a nat 1 was the first roll I made, so... Oh! Oh, the nat 1 would have been bad. Yeah, okay. But, gentle, I, I wanna do it. Sybil showed me how fun this could be. I got to throw people around, toss them, crunch on their bones. It's fun, right? I, I don't think that you were necessarily taught everything correctly from Sybil. I think sometimes there are bad guys who need to be crunched. 
but not every bad guy needs to be crunched immediately. So we need to talk to people. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, we get information and then and then I can eat his face. Oh God, please, please, no, I, I have a listen, please, please, I have a family. I'll tell you everything you want, please. Please. I would like that. Also, I'm gonna go over and try to heal them a little bit. I don't know how bad Jeff or Bud did, but I'm worried. Okay, as you go over, Bud goes, all right, but I'm chewing his face off after. And Bud gets off for now, right? Like, backs away, and you see that, like, Bud's muzzle's kind of red, and so is, like, the fur around his, like, sharp, tufted claws. And as you approach this person, you see a chameleon-like lizard folk man, uh, sort of prone on the ground. Uh, Half of his body, interestingly enough, the bottom half of his body is invisible. It looked like that was maybe like a panic defense response, but then Bud tackled him before he could go fully invisible. And you sort of see like his legs, his trousers starting to ripple their way back into existence. And he looks fucked up. Like Bud got him on the shoulder. There's like a big bite wound like uh, just on there. He he looks like he's on the edge of, <laughs> of passing out or dying. Like he's leaking blood everywhere. Uh, he's got this like short white hair. Please, please. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, and I will, I will hand of healing, uh, if, if I can. All right, so that is, uh, nine damage healed. Okay, yeah, as you put your glowing hands on his shoulder, he flinches, but then, uh, like, relaxes as we see, like, the blood stop bleeding, and, like, some of the wounds, the flesh begin to stitch itself up, and you hear, like, a cracking noise as, like, a bone snaps back into place. It seems like maybe Bud dislocated his shoulder, too, with that attack. Oh, 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 thank gods, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, please don't let that talking wolf, uh, bite my face off. I would very much like to live. I'll tell you everything you want to know. What do you want to know about the poison? Uh... Tyrion made me do it. I swear, I swear. I mean, I'm an alchemist and all that. I'm, I'm good at what I do, uh, but Tyrion made me do it. I didn't want to do it, but I, I was made to. Um, if you don't mind, I am... I'm, I'm, of course, I offer to help them up. Uh, oh, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, uh. If, if you don't mind hanging out with, with me and, and Bud for a second, for, for a little bit... I have a couple of friends I would also like to make sure they hear this. Uh, and this, like, chameleon-like lizard folk man just glances at Bud, who's still almost in, like, attack position a little, like, <laughs> but, like, standing at bay, like, ears pinned back, muzzle wrinkled. Right, yeah, uh, listen, Tyrion's got eyes and ears all over the place. I don't know how long it's gonna take your friends to get here, so I'll just, I'll just tell you everything first, uh... And, and maybe they can get here, and if not, I'm, I'm gonna get out of here. Because okay, if Tyrion knows, you're I... Good. Okay. No, I, I, you're good. All right, okay, well, what do you, uh, you want to know? And I think on that, uh, we sort of pull out, like, almost get, like, a bird's eye view on this chamber as we pull out. Like, the top of it becomes foggy and shimmering, almost like we're looking at this scene through, like, a, a flashing stream. Uh, as we pull back into the tapestry room. And Jaron, I think your eyes are fixed on that particular corridor, whirling around the weft work. Uh, and you see everything that happened with Gentle, right? And you see that, like, Gentle has subdued the threat and is talking to him. I think at that, uh, Jaron puts down their, the threads that they were working on, their work, and 
starts to get up and like walks towards this ring, keeping an eye on it just in case it looks like Gentle needs help. Jaron's not gonna go through the ring just yet, I think, uh, given that the fight has stopped and it seems like things might be okay, uh, but they're keeping an eye on it. As you keep an eye on that like whirling image of the fog cloud and Bud and Gentle and this third person roiling within it, I think your other eye catches movement on the periphery as well. As you recognize V, you get just like a flash of V's face, like very quickly for like a millisecond. Do you turn to look? I do. As you do, as you whip your head around, you see a chamber that has never showed up before in these rings. I assume you've been studying these rings pretty closely. You sit down and just weave and you look. You haven't seen this chamber yet. Uh, and as we push in on this particular, like, whipping, whipping corridor, we go past the rushing murk, and into the vault of Banwar proper. V. The vault of Banwar is a vast, domed chamber with sandstone pillars rising to support an arched ceiling. A mural sprawling, intricate, vast, spans the roof depicting a myriad of gigantic queendoms, citadels of spiraling ice, kingdoms floating in the clouds, a city-state built into a bubbling volcano, mining towns bristling within chasms. This chamber, V, is massive enough to fit a hundred, a thousand people inside. Think Grand Central Station. Uh, tiered platforms rise from a limestone floor interspersed throughout the vault, almost like waypoints, uh, 10, 15, 20 feet tall, and floating at the zenith of each dais is a different item. A sword, a book, a scythe, a spear, a ring, a cloak, so on and so forth, impossible to count the total number. And though there are no windows, light filters through this vault, soft, radiant light, like a memory of Galtanger. And Tyrion, I think he stepped past the threshold into the vault. You're still in the hallway beyond the open circular door, I think. Tyrion turns, his lithe, muscular form underneath his suit, dwarfed by the immensity of the vault behind him. It's like opening a door into another world. That's how huge this place is. He smiles at you, V. His piercing blue eyes crinkling at the edges. And I think at like the base of each pillar that you glimpse beyond, you see these huge, massive piles of pure gold bars and ores and coins, just like miniature mountains swallowing up the base of these sandstone pillars and columns. Come on in, come on in, V, this is your legacy. This is what I want to pass down to you. Come, come. V looks around and V has seen a lot of things in her life in her hundred and some years. And this is probably the most impressive display of just wealth beyond anything imaginable that she's ever, you know, the emperor has nothing on this is what V is thinking. And uh, V looks back to Tyrion who's standing there. <laughs> and you know, I think 
I think V has a quick memory of of when she was in the mines with her, with the, her friends at the beginning of this whole thing, and just like her, her casting knock just to pull a ruby out of a of, of a wall, and how she just reminds herself, eye on the prize, eye on the prize, and stares deadlocked on Tyrion and steps into the vault. Okay, the door remains open. It like hangs about halfway open, revealing like the dark corridor beyond it. But as you step into this vault, it's like stepping from shadow into daylight, right? Like the this magical light filtering through the space. The weave is so tight and tense and powerful here. It smells, well, it smells like wealth and magic. There's no other way to describe it, like fresh gold, right? There's enough gold in here lined up against all the pillars to, well, to build kingdoms from, probably. Like, there's there's enough money, wealth, power here to, well, to start, almost to start, jumpstart a civilization, you figure. And all of these definitely powerful magical items, like, floating on these deuses, just, like, vibrate and irradiate power. And it's huge. It's like a, it's like a, the size of a park. It's, like, massive, right? Like, and you look around, and it just seems to get bigger, and there seem to be, like, other chambers, like, sprawling past the pillars. Like, this is just a central foyer area. Uh, and Tyrion starts walking real casually, right? Like, gesturing from, like, column to column, mural to mural. Oh, well, yes, you would have loved her. She was a very interesting mage, all about, you know, combustion mechanics. And, oh, yes, that man, that man, he was my academic brother-in-arms. We, well, plundered a lot of secrets in our time about how the cosmos worked. And, uh, what do you think? You impressed? I have to say, I truly must be your daughter. This is... Everything I could have hoped for at a time in my life. At a time in your life? V, not... not now? Well, you know, um... I have more pressing matters in front of me. A potential fight that I don't know if I'm going to survive. You know, I've got so much to work through in these final months that, uh... And V, like, looks around some more and, like... It's definitely, like, starry-eyed at all this. This is, like, this is what she was looking for for so long of her life. Something like this that would have, like, made her on a level where she wouldn't have to ever compete for anything ever again. And she realizes that as much as this is pulling to her, like, surprisingly, what she is, this image of, like, Rev's face pops into her eyes for a moment and then she like wipes it away and she look as she's looking at all this you could just say that for now this is not my priority ah uh, yes no that makes sense that makes sense saving the world and all that surviving the apocalypse yes very smart and astute well this this will be your legacy after after we defeat the stranger together father and daughter what do you say yeah I mean, the coin said it. Speaking of which, what better time than now to initiate your training so you can access your true draconic mage form? What do you say? I couldn't be more excited to get this on with. Beautiful. And he claps his hands once and, like, twists his wrist uh, and, like, popping into existence in his hand is a vial. 
And inside this vial is a kind of like bubbling white liquid, like shimmering, right? Glittering almost, like it looks like a potion of some sort. And as soon as he summoned it, it you can just feel the magic radiating off of it. Well, you are my daughter, my blood, but you are only half my blood, V, so we're going to have to make up the difference with this little potion of my own creation. If you drink it, it should allow you to untap, uh, unlock your true potential so we can begin training. Here. And he holds the vial out to you. V takes the vial. And she's gonna, like, she's gonna look it up and down. She's gonna, like, does this look like I, I assume the answer is an easy no, but does this look like anything V has ever seen before? Is there anything arcane that V can, like, pick up about it? Make a nature check. Oh, gosh. Or, um, you know what? Or Arcana. Or Arcana. Yeah. I'll give, it, I'll give it to you, Sorcerer. I'll give it to you. All right. Uh, perfect. Let me roll some dice. Come on. Come on. Character sheet. Get me to where I want to be. Okay. Okay. An unnatural 20? It's definitely magical. As you take this glass vial and you examine the contents, you see a shimmering up and down, up and down with an unnatural 20. It looks like it could be any sort of potion. Usually, if you're like, look, if you're like, is this like an, a poison or something? Uh, usually there's a tell, uh, there's a smell that's off, or there's something in the spell work that pings, I think, on your like arcane senses. Uh, but this with a 20, this looks like a, a, just like a deeply magical potion. Right, similar to like a healing potion or like a potion of strength or like a potion of luck or alacrity or something. It's like, it's shimmering. It doesn't look ominous. I think V is going to look at it and gather what she can from it. Look around at this room. Um, she's going to use her thumb to just like, sort of like pop the cord. Just, and You're sure this is good? You've, you've, you've made this correctly. And of course. Doubled, you've tasted it yourself. Do you know this is going to work? Well, it wouldn't work on me because I am a full draconic mage, but it should make up the power difference. It should allow you to withstand the rigors of training. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm eager to get on with the training. <laughs> oh, gosh. V, like, time slows down as V begins to lift it to her mouth and she like closes her eyes and she thinks about everything that's going on right now between the stuff with Tyrion and with her friends with the stranger uh, the things that happened with Adam everything in the totality of this situation is flowing through her head right now and she just turns the vial upside down and spills it all on the ground. Yeah, the liquid just comes out in a single trail and it splashes onto this beautiful limestone floor. And the final drop dribbles out of the glass. And your father's just sort of standing there looking at you, still sort of smiling with that same face that he had on when he was expecting you to drink it. What was that about, V? Can we not do this anymore? Do what? Pretend like everything's okay. Uh, pretend like you've been looking for me all my life and I've been looking for you for all my life. Can we just not do that anymore? And what would you 
prefer we do, V. What about we try something which might be a little different, difficult for both of us, and maybe we try telling the truth for once? Truth? I'm flummoxed, V. I thought you agreed to join forces with me, stand with me as daughter and father against the stranger. Why, why did you throw that away? Because you never intended to find me when I was born. You never, ever was trying. Do you know all the things that I've done in my life? I have broken into almost every vault I can find. I have stolen from the heads of every country of Andake. I have done everything in my attention to get your attention. You're telling me you've never heard of me before this moment. I, I was telling you the honest truth in front of the Citadel when you first came here. Guns blazing, literally. I, I sent Seaver to look for you. When a half-century, century ago, I had visions that I might have a daughter, he lied to me, V. I, I trusted him. And he lied. Just like you're doing now? I don't understand, V. What, what, are, you what are you accusing me of? What have I done? What have you done? You left a woman to become the shadow of her former self. You let her struggle as an outsider uh, as she took care of me, your daughter. You didn't care when she got sick. You didn't come and take care of her as she was dying. You let me sit by her bed alone as she drew her last breath. And not only that, you let me sit in resentment and hatred towards her because I thought she was making it all up. She talked about you all the time my entire life. She kept telling me that I was great, that I was destined for greatness. And I didn't believe her because everything in our life had shown to that point that I was nobody special, that I was merely just another person just trying to get by an Endake. And then you, I will never get that moment back. I will never be able to tell my mother, you know what, I believe you now. It's finally, I believe you. Everything you told me was true and I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. I never get to have that moment, ever, again. And so what did you do? You left and you never came back. And now you have the audacity to act like everything is fine. I am never going to tell a lie again, ever. So maybe this whole dragon thing of yours, if you truly are the last dragon, maybe it's time you join Tamba. Excuse me? V, what are you implying here? There is a flash of light in V's hand, and Gamble is there in her hand. And V's eyes begin to glow, one green, one purple, as she begins shuffling the deck. What I'm saying is that 
Unless you start telling me the truth, I have no further business for you. Fee, it doesn't have to come to this. I'm not interested in fighting you. You're my daughter. I, I've been telling you the truth. Yes, I left Paya. I've apologized for that to your face dozens of times over since you've come here. I can't turn back time. I can't do that. There's a lot of magic I can do, but that is one thing I cannot achieve, no matter how powerful I become. I'm sorry, V, but you're here now. We can make up for lost time here. We can stand together just like how Paya wanted. Is this what your mother would have wanted? And he gestures at the deck of cards in your hand. Or would she have wanted you to love me? Like she loved me. V uh, continues to shuffle the deck. My mother always said that I was destined for greatness. So would she say that this is what she wanted? This, being a paragon, having shards of gods inside of her daughter? I think she saw this coming long before I ever did. And I think V spreads out the cards in her hand, like fans them out. And she pulls out a card, and the rest of the deck just kind of whoosh vanishes into her hand. She's just left holding one card that um, she's... Let's just say she puts it to her chest, uh, so you, the card facing her chest, so no one can see what it is. Fee, you don't have to do this. I'm not going to fight you, V. Let's just, let's talk it out, okay? It doesn't have to come to blows. I don't, I don't know what exactly it is that I've done here since you've arrived at my home to garner this animosity. All I want to do is, is help you. I want you to ascend to your tr to unlock your ability to shift into a true draconic form. That way, maybe that way, we can beat the stranger, save Endake, and spare all the god shards and the paragon's lives in the process. Come on, V. And he holds out a hand. Don't do this. Trust me. Um, V takes a moment. She's thinking about this. She, like, in her head, she's like, am I, am I making this up? Like, is this, like, am I taking this too far? Am I just reading into this? Am I just putting my own shit onto this situation? Uh, is Tiernan actually, like, not a bad person? Uh, like, V is having all the thoughts. Like, no, what, no, I mean, come on. Anyone who employs Sievert for, like, over a hundred years can't be that great. Uh, like, V is literally, like, calculus braining just all these images and integrals and derivatives and and thoughts and the rivers of all the destinies that ever were and could be uh and she like pops back into her body out of her thoughts and she like goes ahead and moves the car so she can see it and she smirks a little bit to herself as she makes eye contact with Tyrion, and she flips it over and it's the justice card of the tarot the justice card and I did all this beforehand because I knew this would like slow up things but she's going to use that justice card to cast level 5 she's going to cast bestow curse 
I basically, there's four options or I could make up an effect of what it does, but I am going to choose that while cursed, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls against you. And V is going to lovingly place that in Tiran's hand, put her hand on top of it, and with that, there's going to be a, a bright green flash between their palms as Tiran feels bestow curse attempting to ca- be cast upon him. I think there's like a flash of green light as you put the card in his hand. He goes, what is this, V? What? And he just sort of flicks his other hand and counterspells it. Um, just bo- like, like it's not even like a concern. I- v. Come on, my daughter, please. And he presses the card back into your palm to like return it to you. Let's, uh, I don't want to fight you. Let's just, let's talk. Is there anything else I can do? I, I had Sievert on a platter for you. I killed him for you. He, he was my only friend for a number of years. My only true friend. And I killed him for you. I don't know what else. You want me to do here, V. Tamba. Tamba died by Sievert's hand while I was talking with you. I wasn't there to save her, to protect her. I... I don't know what else I can do to make you trust me. Let's, let's, let's get to what this is really about. Yeah. It's that I wasn't I've there been... for you. Yeah. What you said about Paya, what you said about your mother. I didn't show up, I left, I never came back. I mean, how how can you blame me, V? I wasn't aware of your existence. And I did the, the right thing any father would when I learned you might exist. I investigated, came back empty. I don't see how I'm the bad guy here. I did everything right. Maybe my only mistake was leaving Paya, but gosh, she's immortal. V, even if I stayed by her, she, would, she still would have died eventually. You and me, V, you share my blood. We're not like the rest of these people here. We... We live until we're killed. Draconic mages of the highest order. That's... That's what we do. I've been around for 15,000 years. I've had trysts with other women, men, people across the ages. I've forgotten their names and faces, but I've never sired a daughter with any of them. I've never had you. You know, maybe Paya, I'm, maybe in the in the grand scheme of things, Paya wasn't that special, but you, you are. Wow. I'm beginning to get a second regret, which is, not only can I not apologize to my mother for not believing her, but now I regret that I can't let her know what an unbelievable piece of shit that you are. Frankly, when I came here, I don't know if I thought this would end well. And then I got here, and I see who you are, which is to say, I see myself in you. The worst parts. I said that I'm going to never tell a lie again, so here is me being honest. You are the absolute worst that I have ever done in my life. All of those aspects of me, I see in you. Lying, being a chameleon that cheats people out of whatever they have you are you don't deserve to be alive right now fee please this is juvenile you're projecting you're seeing the worst parts of yourself in me because 
You've never really given me a real chance. You're ne you were never gonna hear me out. You were never gonna try to listen to reason, were you? Ugh, just like your mother. That's the mortal side in you I see coming out, driven by her heart and her emotion. And you sort of see, like, Tyrion, he's starting to get impatient, right? He, like, crosses his arms. <sighs> you know, he's not, like, attacking you, but, like, he's sort of, like, looking down on you in this moment, insulting your mother. What do you do? V, if you could feel in, if you could were in V's body, you could feel the blood coursing through her veins, bubbling. She is so unbelievably pissed at this piece of crap in front of her and she never let go of the bright shining green and purple eyes and now her stitches her scars from being ripped apart in the nothing plane are starting to glow as well her whole body is just emitting green and purple light in all directions in fact the objects the all around her are starting to turn purple and green from the glow and i think these hands clench into fists at her side and the ground beneath her begins to shake as the light around her gets brighter and brighter almost as she has this ball of light around her that's become white because it's so intense and there is this sudden booming sound as she casts for the first time ever draconic spirit summon draconic spirit Okay. So basically, from the bright, booming light, this this dragon spirit uh, pulses into the air, and it is it is just because people don't see what dra in modern Andocket. This is so rare. It's but it's just so beautiful. It's got like um, some of its fur is green, and some of it is purple, and it's got several wings up and down its back, propping it up into the air as it lets out this mighty roar. Um, and going to direct it to attack Tyrion. Okay. If it's okay with you, I think this dra draconic spirit is like a serpentine, like a Chinese dragon, right? If it, like yep. Kind of like the dragon you turned into in like Arc 2. Uh, like it's yep. sort of, it's like tufted and it's massive and it coils out of you and it goes up, up, up and it like dwarfs Tyrion, right? Like a shadow, a glowing shadow falls over him and he uncrosses his arms to look up at it. Huh. Wow. Beautiful, V. Truly marvelous. You know, if you joined me, I could help you become this. This is your draconic form, V. But it's it's just a simulacrum. It's not it's not at its full height, not at its full majesty. And it attacks him, uh, right? So how does that work? So it makes a number of rend attacks equal to half the spell's level rounded down, so that would be two. So it gets two rend attacks. And then, and it uses breath weapon. Okay, go um, for it. Uh, make those uh, attack rolls, I assume. Yep. All right. So, so that is a twenty-seven and a twenty-six. Those would hit. Okay. Um, so that's twelve points of damage of the rend attacks, and then for the breath weapon. The dragon exhales a destructive energy in a 30-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a dexterity saving throw against your spell, which is, uh, if I still remember, yep, it's 17. He doesn't move, so you can roll damage. 
Perfect. And is 13 points of fire damage. Okay. Uh, so this draconic spirit surges forward with its like various claws and I think maybe because it's kind of ghostly, right? It's like a spirit. Maybe it even like phases mm. through him and all oh, you see its claws like rending and scratching at him and then it turns around and like blows this massive roar and gout of spiritual flame upon him and he disappears in this in- inferno, right? This incendiary inferno, like his form is just wrapped up in these tongues of fire and the draconic spirit closes its maw eventually and coils back to you and like a gust sort of like whips around this battlefield uh, as the attack sort of simmer down and like when the flames disappear you see Tyrion looks unharmed uh, V uh, V what is this uh, you're not in full control of yourself you're 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 overreacting okay you're you're uh, you're acting out. This is, I mean, you still are my daughter after all. I am your senior by a magnitude of orders. So just put put the draconic spirit away. Put put your little cards away and just, let's 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 talk about this. Hmm? Like adults. Stop throwing this tantrum. Ugh, honestly, it's if you want to be honest, it's why I never really wanted kids in the first place. So much ugh, emotion. I thought that, you know, now that you were grown up and an adult woman, maybe we could have, we could have a real one-to-one, but this, what is this? You're being clouded, clouded by emotion. It murkins your judgment. <laughs> the more he talks like this, the more V gets pissed off. So she's going to, uh, she's going to cast our old friend Scorching Ray. She's going to make three rays of fire shoot at Tyrion. You can make him with advantage because he does not move. Perfect. Hold on. 28, 24. That's only, that's only like 13. Only the 28 hits. Okay. So that's seven points of fire damage. Seven? Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think the two rays that shoot out just sort of bounce off him. Like, there's almost, like, this, like, kind of, like, shimmering shield around him that it just sort of splashes off against, but that third ray does hit him, and it splashes across his chest. And he looks unharmed. Like, like there's no, like, residue on his jacket. Like, his, his hair doesn't get singed. He just, he looks exactly the same. V, you know what? You know what? Clearly you need this. Let it all out. Hit me with your worst. Was that your, was that your worst? Was that supposed to... Was that the power of the paragons? Uh, come on, you can hit me harder than that. Just let it, let it out, let it out. Let's let's let out your anger, and then and then we can we can talk. We can talk like adults. How about that? Come on, hit me, hit me. <laughs> I think a little bit the steam is running out of V sails a bit now at this point. Uh, I think she just looks at him, and I think the draconic spirit slowly like dissipates into the into back into the weave. And she just sort of slumps down first to her knees quickly, but then like just over the side and she's like sitting on her hip kind of legs just dangled to the, to her side. And she's just like, all right, give me the stupid drink. I'll, I'll take it. Thank you for finally seeing reason. 
Now, I said I'd have to make some more, but I think I've got a little bit of some dregs left. Uh, and he flicks his wrist again, and you see like a, a, a duplicate of the vial just poof, appear in his hand. Like, a, it just looks like the same vial that you poured out. They still have the empty glass with you. All right, did that feel better? Let it all out against your old man. Come on, have a drink. And he comes toward you and holds out the vial once again. And V uh, again pops the cork in a very similar way. Um, can I commune with Scott and Nectus at all? I think you were a little distracted by the vault and Tyrion monologuing at you a little bit, and like it, you're being being kind of a dick to you. But as you like on your knees, you you know he's holding this vial out to you, and you tap into your god shards. You can't uh, you can't feel him, V. There's something about the magic in this vault that seems to be forming a barrier between yourself and your god shards. Like they're hidden behind like a thick pane of glass. You can feel them, they're still in you, but you can't reach them and they can't reach you. Oh gosh, it's the, it's the, <laughs> I'm in danger meme all over again. Um, you know what? He's gonna close her eyes, think about Rev and Lotus, be like, risk and reward, and she's gonna drink it. Okay. V, you tilt the vial back and you drink. And as soon as it goes down your throat and into your stomach, you know something is terribly, horribly wrong. It's the pain that alerts you to the problem at first. It courses through your nerves like fire, just pain blooming out from your gut, seizing up every part of your muscle. And I think like as you're knelt on the floor, you actually, you seize up almost like you're petrified. And like we see the veins on the sides of your neck, like sort of like, just sort of like, like jut out. Uh, and you're, I think your, your body begins to tremble like beyond your own control as this pain and agony just racks through you. And Tyrion is standing above you, his head sort of cocked to the side, looking at you. Huh, I, 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 wow, you know, color me impressed. I didn't think you'd actually drink it. That was easier than expected. And V, I need you to make a con save. I figured as much. <laughs> uh, 25? Okay, that just saves. So you are not going to die, but you will drop to zero. Uh, so... I think the world starts to close in on you. It gets, starts to get dark, right? But you're hanging on to consciousness. How I like to treat zero isn't that you're out. It's like you're on you're on your last breath, right? While you're rolling death saves, uh, you're still aware of what's happening around you. You're on your knee and you're you're just shuddering and shuddering, and you can feel Scott and Nectus at this point banging against that glass in your soul, trying to like, bang, and you can feel something cracking in you. And like, there's like a part of you kind of far away being like, okay, maybe Scott and Nectus can save me. Maybe they can help me out of this predicament because, because you did make the save, right? They're banging, banging, banging. Um, but as Tyrion stands over you, he just sort of, I think actually he sort of squats down, right? Like props his hands in like the crook, uh, crooks of his hips and he just co cocks his head to the side and looks at you as you're just like petrified there, shaking and shuddering, like blood starting to drip out of your pores and like down your throat, like from how much this hurts. And I think you're bleeding out of your nostrils, out of your ears, out of your mouth, like a trickle of blood comes out the corner of your eye. And he just sort of cocks his head and looks at you. 
I am uh, 15,000 years old, V. I have seen empires rise and collapse. In the same breath, I have listened to languages form and become forgotten. I have tasted magic blooming and withering and dying. I have witnessed the rise of heroes, paragons, destined saviors of the realms, and I have witnessed their weakness, their humanity, their failure. I, I am a living testament to everything Andake was, is, and will become. And I think like as we like start to pull away a little bit from this speech, we like boof, boof, come out of this corridor and we see Jerron. You see all of this happen as you're standing there between gentle and, you know, on a pathway between gentle and V. You you hear all of it too, I think. Like you hear the conversation between Tyrion and V. You see V attack Tyrion. You see Tyrion not fight back. Uh, and then you see V take the drink and collapse and you're hearing this now and we push back in as Tyrion continues. You think the Paragons will save Endake? V, the Paragons failed. You failed to defeat the stranger the first time. I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't intervene because I, I, the cause was lost. I had other things to trouble myself with at the time anyway. And you're gonna fail again this time. That is a guarantee, my beloved daughter. I'm sorry, but uh, I don't bet on broken heroes. You're weaker. You're shattered. You're severed from the after and the beyond. You don't house gods within you. You house their shards. And you, you're arrogant enough to think your sacrifices can hold back the apocalypse? For a century, maybe. Maybe even a millennia if you're lucky, but she'll be back. She'll always come back. And the third time she returns, and Dake will be so broken and drained from your and your god shards' collective sacrifice that she'll destroy everything with no resistance. Unless... I kill her. I am on the precipice of godhood, V. I don't mean this in some arrogant, deluded way. I mean this literally. The Dragon's Bane Curse. Let's talk about it, yes? The parting gift of the gigantic mages of yore. The final nail in the coffin of the thousand-year war. When we slaughtered every last remaining gigantic queen and general in this vault, and he actually stands up and gestures, their trap triggered. A spell, complex, Vicious, beautiful curse work like the likes I'd never seen before and I have not seen since. We've be sapped, come we've be gone. We've be withered from dragon tongue. Blood of blood spilled claw or fang, gesh be bound by dead queen rain. Only when one soul outlast shall dragon's bane come true to pass. Do you know what that means? It's a rough translation from Ba, but it took me uh, five, ten years to come up with it myself in common. You know what that means? It means every single Titan after the war was severed from the weave. Myself included. Those cruel, cunning queens crashed the ship to kill the captain. 
Even their own gigantic mages were affected by the depth, the fury, the bitterness of this curse. The dragon's bane curse meant that no true titan would ever be born again, and that the remaining titans would lose our ability to shift, to channel raw magic in a way Andake has never seen since. But every curse has its solution, has its way of breaking. Remember that verse I just said to you? Translated it myself. Only when one soul outlasts shall Dragon's Bane come true to pass. Oh, those queens had a sense of humor, I'll give them that. The only way to break the Titan's Bane curse was for us to, you guessed it, kill each other off. That's how Ba-Nur really fell. That's how the Orders fell after the Thousand Year War. We turned on each other. Brother slew brother, sister slew sister, sibling slew sibling. Each of us determined to be the sole survivor in a bloody battle royale that spanned centuries until the last of us scattered, shattered across the realms, retreated into deep hibernation, or died off on our own. And you know what? I have a list right here. And he taps his temple of every single Titan that survived the war. And over the years, over the centuries, the millennia, I've killed by my own hand. Let's see, what is it now? Now that Tomba's gone. Right, 23,962 Titans. Let that sink in, V. 23,962 Titans. And with every kill, I feel the curse waning. It's a blood sacrifice to me. As the weave returns to my body, I am stronger, I am faster, I am longer lived than any titan that has ever stalked this earth. Even before the war, I am stronger. The deeper the curse, the deeper the effect, the more powerful I shall be when it finally breaks. Those dead, foolish queens thought they'd sealed our fate. Ha! They didn't. In reality, they just made it so that the last survivor would become a god. Greater than the eight combined. I will outlast you, V. I will outlast the Paragons. I will outlast the Stranger. I will outlast Andake if I have to, as I have outlasted every single other catastrophe, monster, king, hero, god that has ever walked this earth. And after I become god, after I kill the Stranger, I will remake Andake in my image. I will craft the utopia. We Titans have always dreamed of a world free of pain. Free of suffering, blooming with magic and art and beauty and power. You. You, V, you were, uh, you were an unforeseen anomaly. You see, the Titan's Bane curse ensured that no true child would ever be born, but I suppose you resisted that, did you, Paragon and all? Pia wanted a daughter, a child. A legacy, something to remind her of the good times we had when it was all over for her, of course. How mortal of her, how myopic and small. I was never interested, I was never, <laughs> I was never like Tamba, that sentimental fool. Settling down with a mortal, blech. Forming a little family, a family she would one day outlast. But she was never like me, she never killed, not once, as far as I know. 
Ultimately, Tamba's attachments were her downfall, V. She'd laid low for so long, been so careful for 10,000 years, avoiding me and the other cannibals. But she just had to go and fall in love. Blech. Love. A fatal flaw. That's how I found her. Or rather, that's how you found her for me. I must thank you, V. It was easy to pry that information from Trenchfoot after Kane dissolved the Kusing Guild. I'd been trying to find the final Titan for years. Tamba Denyan, she was the only one left. And you dropped her right into my lap. So thank you. I was going to kill her myself after weakening her through an induced coma. It's quite hard to kill us final Titans, you see. I'm essentially invulnerable. But then... But then you arrived. Hmm. You. I thought Tamba was the last mage I needed to get rid of so I could break the curse. I was mistaken. And my mistake began, of course, with Sievert. You see, I suspected a while ago, this part was true, I was being honest with you, V. I suspected I might have sired a child when I received visions of one about a half-century, century ago. I sent Sievert to investigate you. And when he came back after a few months of gaining your trust, he lied to me. Swore up and down that you weren't mine. I even pried his mind. But it came out clean. Now I know. <laughs> now I know this entire time he'd been wearing an artifact. A mind-shielding gold tooth that prevented even my magic from ascertaining the truth. Very clever of him. I lose track of my hoard. Sometimes I'd forgotten about that little delicacy from the Gambit of Queens. That poor, pathetic fool. He didn't lie because he was jealous that I'd love you more than I loved him. No, V. He lied because he loved you. Because he knew that if I knew you were my daughter, my true daughter, I would have found you and killed you years ago. He tried to protect you from me by pushing you away. But he couldn't protect you forever, could he? No. He failed. The instant you came here, his fate was sealed. I could tell you were mine as soon as I laid eyes on you. And he knew this. So we struck a deal while you've been spending your time enjoying the Citadel. If he killed Tomba, if he proved his commitment to the cause, then I'd forgive him for his trespasses and I'd spare you. I told him I'd find another way, another path to godhood that didn't involve your death. He believed me. What a fool. He died the way he lived, V, impaled on his heart for you. I can't afford to wait for you to sacrifice yourself and your godshard against the stranger. If you die that way, your soul goes to the never. Not to the after, not to the beyond, your death will be null. And the curse, unfortunately, will remain unbroken forever. So I hope you understand, V that I'm going to kill you now. Abiku. You reach a landing. 
and you find yourself in a vast hall. A corridor fit for a queen. A throne room, it feels, with ceilings 80 feet tall, no, taller. Pillars punching toward the sky, walls painted with massive murals. And at the end of this hall, you see an iron door, circular, with spokes radiating off the surface. It's halfway open, and the room beyond it beckons with golden light. And the Raven Queen continues, her voice simmering in your mind like a song. The girl knew her queens were planning something. A trap, a curse to blight them all. And her beloved knew her lords would stop at nothing. The confrontation was set. A siege that lasted eight days and eight nights. A final battle in the vault of Bonnoir. As they'd planned, as they'd rehearsed, as they'd hoped and feared and dreamed, the girl and her beloved sprang between their clashing families. They pleaded, they commanded, they entreated, they begged. Is this where it happened? And Abiku, as you approach this circular door, like your one hand still guiding along this thread of darkness, right? Like a rope compass pointing you toward true north. As you walk toward that like halfway cracked open door, you get the sense that yes, yes, the Raven Queen is guiding you, leading you, showing you the place where your story ends and begins. And Abiku, as you approach this circular door, you glimpse what's beyond it, I think. You glimpse a vast chamber, larger than any room you've ever been in, interspersed with raised platforms that bear floating items at their peak. Everything here is washed in grayscale. Everything except that thread of black light, which finally once it crosses the threshold of this door, stops leading you forward. It ends here, at the brink of the vault. And before your very eyes, Abiku, its obsidian threads knit into humanoid forms, weaving an illusion of the Raven Queen's story that only you can see. You see, an army of gigantic mages forming, made of glistening shadowy light, standing strong behind several tall, proud queens. And facing off against them, you see a squadron of draconic mages, bristling with power, waiting for instruction from their lords at the front. And you see yourself. And Shrin Yi. Standing between these two massive forces, your hands outstretched, backs pressed against each other, entreating your respective sides to listen. And Abiku, the tragedy is, they did. And one by one, you watch as soldiers on both sides lower their weapons. As the queens exhale and bow their heads, as the lords look askance ashamed at their viciousness, 
You watch as the tension begins to bleed out of the vault, as the end of the thousand-year war becomes tangible, as this hatred and vengeance and fury and ambition starts to feel small and surmountable. But then one lord, a draconic mage with short brown hair, tawny skin, and eyes of cold, violent blue, raises his hand into a fist. An icicle ripples into existence in his grasp, and before his fellow lords can stop him, he hurls it through Shrinyi's heart. And chaos descended. You watch this illusion. This memory, as draconic mages, horrified and furious, turn upon Tyrion, but then an arrow flies through the air, gets a lord through the neck, lightning explodes, fells a queen, and violence takes over again. You watch amidst this panic, this bedlam, as you fall, collapsing to the ground, cradling Shrinyi, oblivious to the chaos raging around you. You watch, Abiku, as you hold your beloved to your chest, screaming wordlessly, crying as she reaches weakened fingers upward toward your lips. The girl and her beloved died the way they lived, holding each other, fighting for love. This is who you were, Abiku Ishtar. You and Shrinyi both. You were heroes. You were our first chosen, our first keepers, before there was a word for it. You were our hope. And you did well. Wait, wait. Then how did I get you the chasm? Why did you wake me up? What is... Why... Why... Am I here? Abiku, when the cataclysm fell and the beyond was severed from the now, and interrupting the Raven Queen's explanation, you hear a voice ring out from deeper within the vault. And as soon as it does, I think um, you see those like threads, those illusions begin like get wiped away like sand in a gale. You hear Tyran's voice ringing out from deeper within this vault go. So I hope you understand, V, that I'm gonna kill you now. Abiku. Your Highness, please hold. And feet aflame with Ashadorn stride. It depends on how far he is. If he's like super far, I'll shoot him. But if I can get there, I'm just going to run dropkick this dude. Fuck yeah. Uh, fire erupts from your feet. You cross that threshold into the vault and you see exactly what I described to V, like a like a huge, it's like a second world in here, right? It's huge. This this could fit a town, right? This, this vast chamber of vault is almost a misnomer here, right? These platforms, glittering gold pillars, these murals, and maybe like um, 80, 100 feet deep into the vault, you see V collapsed on her knees, bleeding like blood out of her pores, shivering and shaking, and standing above her Tyrion, 
with his hand outstretched, almost like toward her face, almost gently, but you heard those words ring out. And as soon as you breach the threshold, that grayscale ripples away. As soon as you take one step of your own volition, color shatters back into existence around you, like just wiping away monochrome and bleeding bright reds and blues and purples and greens and yellows and golds back into your periphery. As you take a step towards your own hand-forged destiny, and Ibiku, what changes, perhaps, about your eyes as you take that step forward? The so her eyes have been like uh, they're like all there's like no um, eye things pupils there's been no pupils um, and she walks in it's almost like like mimicking like the clouds on her face like this you realize it's been like a mist and this mist like rolls off and like all, like off all the way like in behind her and you see these like bright orange eyes filled with like rage and sorrow and determination of this person doesn't leave this room. Fuck yeah. Yeah, as color shatters into existence around you, you breach that threshold, your eyes become unclouded. For the first time since we've seen Abiku Ishtar, they glow, almost like glowing with determination and fury and grief, those bright oranges, just like your magic. And I think you 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 start to like fucking approach Tyrion and V. And I yeah. think b- before we get any further, we pull upward out of the vault. We shimmer through the surface of this vision, and we cut back to Jaron in the tapestry room. You see all of this shit happening. You see gentle on one end. You see this stuff go down in the vault. You hear every word Tyrion has said. You see a Biku beginning to approach, feet aflame. What do you do? I don't think that this is even a question, Bergeron. Uh, Gentle looks like they have their situation handled, but V very much does not. Uh, and now with Ibiku there as well, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty easy choice for Jaron. They recognize that right now V needs him. And so they turn away from the ring where Gentle is and they run towards the ring where the Vault of Benoit is and he jumps through and as he jumps through he is aiming specifically to get in between Tyrion and V uh, and as he does that he will cast Sanctuary on V okay Jaron it's a pretty far drop uh, you hurtle through this corridor where you see the vault and it's like as you pass through the ring it's like diving into like a, a really cold pond it like shivers around your body you feel con- like conjuration magic just rearrange your molecules a little bit and all of you abiku at the same time as you're like huffing it running toward tiran and v you see like the ceiling shimmer and coming out of a mural like of i think like a a, f- a fire kingdom farm right like up up in the sky you see jaron just fall I just like sort of like shimmer out of it and begin to fall downward, like trying to plummet between Tyrion and V. Arm outstretched to cast Sanctuary. What's the range on Sanctuary? Uh, it is 30 feet. 
So you're gonna have to wait until <laughs> until you get within 30 feet when you're falling down. I think, I think, I think you do. Uh, but as you like hurtle downward, almost like a dagger being thrown by an expert marksperson, uh, you fling like your 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 arm out. And what does it feel like to be a sanctuary is cast? So the way that Sanctuary manifests itself is that holographic tail that kind of like whips around V. And I think in this moment where she is consumed by pain, I assume of an unimaginable degree, I think some of that maybe doesn't necessarily lessen, but it feels like uh, it's been kind of like pushed a little bit to the out of your bones and closer to like the surface of your skin. And you can feel and see that any attempt that somebody would make to hurt you is gonna have to go through something. Mmm, I like that. The tail wraps around V. And I need all of y'all to roll initiative, those of you who are in the chamber. Even those of us unconscious? Yes. Well, you're not tech, well, you're incapacitated. You're not unconscious. <laughs> 21. Natural 20 for 25. Nice. Let's go, Ishtar. 16. Okay. First to go will be a Biku. I think the thing that makes the most sense is as she's running, she... I scream louder than I will scream in my actual home. Sun, it's time. And I will use my action to summon Sun. Fuck yeah. How does sun ripple into existence? Uh, I think usually it's like magical boy, right? Like it like comes out of my bag or whatever. But I think it's like with like a like a thunderous boom and like like crackle of magical energy just like above me, like fully just like manifests as if nothing was there. And then something is there and like the air. It's like right before lightning strike, you know, when like the air like goes st- like stagnant for a bit. And then there's this like as this, like, large, uh, like, skeletal drake, uh, appears. Actually, I think because you got your memories back, Abiku, Sun is no longer skeletal. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, we see appearing <laughs> in the air wings outstretched like an obsidian drake, right? Like, with shadowy scales just rippling all the way down. And because Sun is your companion, Abiku, uh, how else do they look now that they've got flesh and scale, fur and bone on top? I think their fur is uh, purple, like Shuni scales were. And... Where it almost looks like a like a rainbow effect, you know, when like light hits it. And I, and I don't know if there's like light in the chamber. I guess there's light in the chamber. But like uh, even in this like fearsome moment, they have like a very like they have like kind face and kind eyes. You know, they they it's like, you know, when you go over someone's house and they have like a, a pit bull and it doesn't know you yet and it looks angry, but you can tell it really just wants to play. But it's also growling. It's like that, where it's like, I'm doing my best to seem angry. <laughs> I can't help that. My face is like this. And I tell Sun, grab V, I will get Tyrion. So I want Sun to use his action to like try and grab V. And you hear like a roar just explode across the vault, almost seeming to fill it, even though like the chamber is so vast, the sun bursts into existence, and you hear his voice ringing in your head. You got it, Abiku. 
and they begin to begin to cart off and fly toward where V is. I will tee up lightning arrow for next time when I can shoot an arrow. Sounds good. Are you like taking out your bow and like like stringing it and preparing yeah, it? Yeah, I like cool. start stringing it up, um, and I'll I just like stop and I st- tearin. Well, 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 well. If it isn't a Biku Ishtar, you look different. Your eyes are back. Do you remember everything now? And I say, Mba, we have unfinished business. And he replies, Mba, that we do. I didn't kill you last time, but you can say hello to Shrinyi in the beyond. Oh, wait. I guess in the nothing if you die here. I'll send you back where you came from. Uh, and you just sort of like see his like his other one of his hands is on V's face and his other hand curls into a fist. That's it for me. Awesome. Next up is Jaron hilariously uh, because Tyrion was talking to Abiku while you were falling through the air. Uh, I think it's a free action movement to fall all the way down. Is there any way you can do to uh, to mitigate fall damage? Uh, I have. I take half damage on failed deck saves and zero on successful ones. So can I, can I You have the one you can use in reaction to. That's only for attacks. And I don't think the ground is attacking me. Uh, (laughs) I think that ground is looking pretty fierce. Like it's looking a little angry. It's, it's not a deck save. It's just flat damage if you fall, depending on how many feet you fall. I was going to argue that maybe it is a deck save because, because what if Jaron, knowing that they are falling from the ceiling onto the ground, what if they're like attempting to like essentially tumble onto the ground? You know what? Because because I'm nice to you, because I am gonna be nice, I will let you make a deck. May- I will let you make a deck save to see if you can absorb the damage. Go for it. Yay! Hardcore parkour. Because I'm nice. <laughs> because I'm nice. I got a twenty-three. Okay, let's say that's sufficient. So you'll take half damage. This, this chamber is uh, a no. I take. Okay, that's fine. I won't be. I won't push it. I was gonna say I take no damage. You're gonna take no damage. No, no, for this one, you're not gonna take no damage from falling from 120 feet, Jaron. I'm not allowing that. You'll take half damage, and you will. You will take it with a smile and a grin, and you will say thank you, Connie. Uh, so it is technically 12 d6. So you will take half of that. The total is 33 bludgeoning damage. So you would take half of that, which is 16. Six. That's not bad. Okay, Jaron, describe how you hit the ground and tumble. Uh, I think Jaron, uh, kind of like as they're falling down, when they're getting close to the ground, they kind of like do a little bit of like a somersault onto the ground. And they so they land by, uh, instead of just like making like a hard thud on the ground, they kind of like roll a little bit, I think, on the ground first. And they manage to aim it so that when they are finished their roll, they're landing just in between V and Tyrion. Okay, uh, he's like right up on V, like his his hand is touching V's face. So I need you to make an, a- an acrobatics check to see how well you can sidle between the two of them. And okay, I will contest it. Okay, that is 24. Okay, make me a second deck save. 28. Okay, that is sufficient. You won't take damage. Uh, so as you tumble down between Tyrion and V, you see his eyes shoot up at you, and you get the sense that he's um he's doing something. He's about to like hit like if you if you get between like 
it would be bad if you got between him and V. Uh, so because you saved, I will let you choose. Do you take what he's gonna do to you, or do you dodge out of the way and have it go straight? It won't hit V, but you won't be in position will... between them. Jaron is going to continue to get in between the two of them. He will take whatever it is that's coming. All right, then. You are going to take... And this is going to be full damage. He chose it. 61 points of cold damage uh, as his hand... Uh, Go ahead. I will use my reaction to use uncanny dodge and have the damage. Okay, so 30 points of cold damage. Uh, as his hand, he, sh- he, he throws his hand back as you cannonball between the two of them. And he just kind of lazily swipes it forward in the air. And you see like an after image of his hand swiping in the air, like a ghostly second ice hand uh, with these like huge claws come out and just like rake through where you are. And I think you dodge like maybe one of the claws, but the other two like gash you like across the front, right? And immediately crimson blood wells on your torso. Duran lands in between the two of them, uh, and I think with one hand placed, like, just on V behind him, the other one, like, on the ground to keep them, to keep them up, they look up at Tyrion. Well, 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 if it isn't Duran Cotter, the traitor, you know, I really had high hopes for you. I thought you'd be on the side of logic, of reason. You know, I say traitor, but I don't mean that so derisively. What you tried in Dabathati, well, I was smart taking Adam's deal. You attempted to halt destiny in her ever-churning path. You failed. There's no shame in failing. But you get to make another choice here, Jaron. Step aside. Let me kill V. And you can join me. In the utopia I will make after I destroy the stranger. Taking that deal with Adam wasn't smart. Trying to kill a paragon was foolish. And what you're trying to do right now is also foolish. Foolish? Foolish? Is this so foolish of me to ascend to godhood and do what none of the paragons or the eight could ever accomplish? Destroy the stranger once and for all? I'm the hero here. You're all the villains for trying to stop me. If the eight couldn't stop the stranger, what makes you think you could? Because the god I will become will be greater than the eight. That's arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's just how magic works. 15,000 years of accumulated knowledge. There are gods younger than me in other universes, other realities. And in this reality, the gods are older than you, and still the stranger managed to sever them from the now. What makes you any different? Because I have been consuming souls and magic and power for over 10,000 years, and once I get these, the curse will be broken, and I will become the most powerful being and Dake has ever known. Do you have no love for your daughter? You would kill her for for what? For power? Love. <laughs> oh, of course. You're a Tamba. You're a Sievert. You're a Paya. Okay, I see. There is no reasoning with sodden fools like you. 
Love, Jaron Cotter, let this be the last word you hear. Love is weakness. Love is what fools and cowards cling to when they have no power. I've come so far, I've ferried over 22,000 souls to the Raven Queen personally. What? By loving them. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I killed them myself because I didn't let such vulnerabilities tie me down. I have no weakness. Jaron, it's your turn. What do you do? How is V looking? Bad. She is looking bad. She's going to make death saves on her turn. Oh, no. Okay. In that case, I think Jaron looks up at Tyrion and looks over at Abiku and I think makes the calculation in their head that Abiku probably has this. I hope. V's life is what is important right now, and so Jaron will, um, I will use my bonus action to disengage, uh, to avoid provoking opportunity attack from this very scary man, and Jaron is going to, um, grab V, hoist her up, and start running, and as he does that, uh, he is going to cast resistance on V. I think, like, while she's in his arms, uh, they're going, don't die on me now, V. Undake needs you. And their prosthetic, like, glows a little and starts to feel warm. Um, as V, you can now add a d4 to a save of your choice. Well done. So you, you hoof it, like, 30 feet away, I'm assuming. You grab V, right? You dodge out of his grasp and you start booking it, right? Maybe toward where Abiku's running. Go ahead, Abiku. A point of order at, like, at the end of his turn, son's probably going to pick them up. <laughs> Because Sun's on order to say, I was actually going to say, um, if Sun is, if Jaron, like, while they're running, like, sees that Sun is coming, I think what Jaron would try to do is jump onto Sun's back. Would Sun let him? Perfect. Okay, yeah, you see this, uh, like, actual Drake with wings, right? Like, sort of, like, soar through the air. It's no longer skeleton and bones, right? But, like, the face, you see Sun's face, kind and focused. You grab V, you jump up, and you hoist yourself onto Sun. And now you're literally riding a Drake, which is, which is like, the coolest thing ever, I think. Jaron's on the back of a freaking dragon, yeah. Um, and I think you, like, gently still hold on to V as the two of you cut and soar through the air. Okay. And that is my turn. Which brings us to V. Make a death save. Add the D4 if Adding you need the it. Add the D4. If you D4. need it. Um, I can use a luck point. Uh, I'm, I'm on maybe. I can use a luck point, right? You can. On death yeah. Save. On so saves. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, use yeah, a, yeah. I'll use a luck first. Okay. Okay, that's a 14. I'll take it. That's a save? That's a save. Okay, so V, you're like struggling, right? And you feel like that glass dome that's like preventing you from contacting Scott and Nectar start to crack, right? And you feel like little snippets of their influence start to bleed back into your soul, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, and Jirani, notice as you're straddling Sun, holding V in your arms as she starts to stir a little bit. Uh, so V, if you want to, you can like talk and mumble as a free action to Jiran. Yeah, I think V feeling and having that image of Scott and Nectar like against the glass is just like, she probably doesn't get everything up. It's like out of vault. That's all V probably says out vault. And then goes back into like screaming in agony. Not not screaming, but like just grimacing in agony. Mm. Mm. I really like that. Um, okay. 
Is that the end of your turn, V? That's all I can do right now. On Tyrion's turn. Uh, he stands there seeing a Biku rushing at him, seeing, like, Jaron getting away with V, and I, I assume, I'm assuming Sun is, like, flying toward the vault door, <laughs> like, to get the fuck out of there. Um, he goes, hmm, you know what? I don't think so. And he flings his wrist, and the door slams shut. And all of you, um, hear a like a churning noise as you hear, like, locks click. You know, I did consider your group to be fools, but I never thought you would be arrogant and truly insipid enough to challenge an ancient draconic mage in my lair, surrounded by my horde. Uh, and... As he says this, you all see the items on the daises, like, begin to they light up, and they begin to sort of, like, shake, and he sort of turns and looks at them and says, You know what? I don't feel the need to use my own power against you quite yet. I'll let you have your fun. It's been a while since I've had anything resembling a challenge. Uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And I'm gonna roll... Should I keep the floor roll? Oh, no Jumanji, no Jumanji. I don't need to wake up and be inside a Dragon Bolt. <laughs> Should I? I'm keeping the floor roll. Actually, it's exactly the roll I wanted. And the scythe. Grim. Glows. And all of you see this floating scythe at the top of the zenith. A shimmer. <laughs> And you all notice uh, Rev's ghostly form kind of ripple into existence behind it. And you see that she's got chains on, like manacles, like on her arms, on her legs. And she's sort of uh, like struggling against it, shouting uh, like she's trapped within Grim or something like on that dais. As he like flings his arm out and looks, looks in that direction. Aha! Yes, of course. Paragon of the Raven Queen. I knew that it'd be bad if she also got to fight here, but if I just have my weakened daughter and three non-paragons, this fight will be pretty easy. Shall we? Uh, and we cut over to Gentle. Gentle. Yeah? In your fog cloud with Bud. This, like, lizard folk chameleon man had introduced himself as, uh, Yagli. My name's Yagli. Yagli Song. Uh, I used to, you know, I used to be one of Sievert's lackeys. I, I felt like he underappreciated my talents. I I'm an alchemist, so I don't really like to fight. Uh, I, I like to turn invisible and stab people when I'm invisible. That's the only way I really know how to fight. I actually, I think I ganked, um... A ganked V, pretty. Or was it was it Manaya, the big one? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That was a, that was way back in Tabathati. Um, I you know because I'm an alchemist, I always coat my daggers in poison. The poison does most of the work. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's my resume. Uh, oh, I, I, guess, I suppose I should t I should tell you everything yeah. I know. Well, it looks like you took my notes. Uh, the only thing, the only other thing I I feel like I should bring up is um, well, Tyrion, he is a draconic mage. And uh, over the years, he's become essentially invulnerable to all damage. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he is. Even if you hit him, he, he just doesn't take any damage. Combo uh, was the same way. But the poison? Yes. Uh, we had to feed the poison to Tamba over and over, get her into a comatose state, and that's when Sievert could pierce her heart with that spear. But, uh, you know, if he tried to kill her with that spear earlier, really, really wouldn't have gotten her. So uh, I guess if you, um, I guess if he slather the poison over him, or if he get the poison into his bloodstream somehow, that might be able to expedite the process, uh, based on my I finding. I have a question. Uh, yes. So I can deliver poison when I hit people. Oh! Well, yeah, I don't like to do it, but um. Well, th- theoretically speaking, well, I-, I suppose you could infuse your punches with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm okay. I think gentle, just like quiet, absentmindedly, like goes and walks back into the lab to just grab some of it, just because this will come in handy. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, and do you know where your boss is? Well, he likes to spend his spare time in the vault. Uh, it's underneath the Citadel. Um, it's, well, it's it's his personal. It's the only you know off limits area to the to the rest of us. Could you, know. you could you show show me the way? Uh, sure. Oh, but there there actually should be a shortcut to get there. Uh, it's hmm. it's this room. There's like whirling uh, uh, ring oh. rings in it. Oh, I know the ring room. If we're if we're going, gentle. Well, why don't you hop on me back? I'll, I'll get us there fast. First, I, I offer Bud a treat first off to help calm him down because I have been deeply worried about his energy. Okay, I will say you're going to have to be very careful in that room. Okay, that's fine. I can be careful. I just want I want to rip things. Are we good? If I'm not gonna bite this guy's face off, uh, yes, please, no, don't bite my face off. I'd appreciate that. Then I I want to bite Tyrion's face off. We can try to we can try to bite Tyrion. Can I, can I have some of that poison for my teeth? No. I'm immune to poison. You're not. Oh. You'd get mm. really hurt. Fine, fine. But you, you, you but, butter him up a bit and then, and then I'll bite him when he can take damage. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, I think the three of us are off. <laughs> You're gonna... Yadley goes, uh, yeah, you know, I appreciate it, but, uh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna pack up my things and, and, and leave. Okay. You know, uh, uh, Tyrion uh, doesn't like it when people double-cross him. I mean, just look at Sievert. <laughs> be careful, but also just be better. Use your science for good. Try to make the world a little better. You shouldn't hurt people with it. Is that, is that, is that, is that a threat? Because you'll hunt me down and kill me if I don't? Because I will, I will, if, if you're threatening me, I will use my science for good. If, if you're a bad guy, then you will get crunched by butt. Not by me, but by butt. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, I will use my science for good. I pledge. Yep, forever. I will not use it for evil again. I'm rolling inside on that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that that was a nat 20. That feels like a waste of a nat 20. It was a nat 20. Oh, my God. Uh, he's absolutely telling the truth. This guy Good. is like a minion, so he like responds to threats and like aggression. Like if you were nice to him, he'd you know probably wiggle out of it. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, well, um, I hope you heal up. Uh, I'm glad you're gonna be better. B- bye. Uh, uh, b- bye. Don't tell anyone about me, please. Oh God, please don't. Oh, well, yeah. Th- thank we're you. Off. Uh, and you. 
Bud runs off, leaving Yagli behind. You run down these corridors, Bud sniffing, like finding that scent trail back up the stairs, through the dungeon, like up past these like floating globes of light, back onto a landing, hoofing it, hoofing it, hoofing it. And like you run past some servants who are like, hey, watch it, you know, like like dodging past various maids and cooks uh, and workers and whatnot, uh, until like some sort of skids around a corner, like dragging like his like claws on like the wood and like kicking up little bits of shrapnel pieces of, of lumber um, until you're at the end of the hallway with the various statues in their nooks on that now unlocked door into the tapestry room. And he starts hoofing it down this red line of carpet and bursts through the double doors to see the whirling spinning rings all around the tapestry inside. Uh, and gentle, make me a perception check to see how quickly you can find the vault in this. Perfect. That's an 18. Very quickly, uh, you see, I think your eyes are scanning it. You're looking for like places you've never seen before and then you find it sort of whirling along like a tilted axis, the vault. And you see a Biku, you see Sun now with flesh and form. You see V slumped in Jaron's arms on Sun and Tyrion standing at the base. What do you do? Can I see how, can I see that it's a drop? With an 18, yes. I think the, I think I just look at Bud and I'm like, okay, are you ready to help save our friends? Yes, yes, yes I am. I'm, I'm mostly, I'm mostly ready to crunch some bones, but I guess the saving thing could come in too. You will be helping by crunching. You, you did not allow me to crunch that guy's face off, so you owe me. I do. Let's right. go, okay? Uh, and Bud runs forward and dives through the whirling ring. Uh, right as Tyrion is gesturing at this like ghostly version of Rev who's like straining wordlessly. It's like she's trapped in some sort of demiplane or something like attached to Grimm and she's just like like trying to punch her way out. Uh, and he sort of like lowers his arm and like Rev fades away. And the light that's like lit up the base of the pedestal of Grimm also dies down. Ah, yes, that's a fun one. Maybe what I can do is I can start shrinking the demiplane that our dear old Revenant is in until I crush her into dust. And he starts to turn his fists, uh, but that's that's at the exact same time. Uh, that gentle swerves through the ceiling with a fucking wolf, like, uh, between their, their legs. So make a strength check for me. Athletics, let's say. Okay, that's a... 15. That's sufficient. Tell me how you like gently deposit uh, Bud onto the ground. I think we're aiming more towards having like a, a running a running landing. So it is mostly moving like I'm holding on, essentially hugging Bud as tight as I can and using all of like the magic in my uh, flying shoes to just try to like just guide him up enough so that as we hit the ground, it is... Uh, at enough force that is like he just took a really big jump and yes. not like he's crashed. like 120 feet down yeah you like yeah. glide kind of like with butt down with your shoes you like literally t like tokyo drift your dog uh until you like land on the ground and butt sort of like skirts to one side and sort of knocks against a huge pile of gold coins like splashing upward and flying and he lets out a like a roar and like a growl uh and gentle you can roll initiative to join the order Okay, uh, that is a 18 for me. As you appear, gentle, 
Tyrion seemed like he was gonna start doing what he said he was gonna do, which is to crush whatever pocket dimension he has rev in and start to kill her. Uh, but he pauses, right? I think you're behind him, maybe. You can be positioned wherever you want, right? Uh, but he sort of looks over his shoulder in your direction. Huh. Right. There was another one of you. Wasn't there another one of you, the one with the hood? But that doesn't matter. Fine, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't just play games. Let's just get this over with. I'm quite eager to ascend to godhood. I have been waiting 10,000 years for this moment. And now that Tamba's dead, and I only have one, one kill remaining before I ascend. Let's see if I can still do this. And he takes in a deep breath. And he breathes out. And as he does, he begins to grow. Tyran's form, I think, elongates, becomes large. Like he's just growing, growing, growing. You see, like, his suit melt into now forming tufts of fur that's, like, coming down the front of his throat as his body stretches out, 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 ballooning up, up. He, like, turns from medium to large to huge to gigantic. Like, he starts to fill, like, fill up a lot of the space in this room, just like a long serpentine form, uh, as he trans- as he starts shifting into his draconic form, similar to the kind of, uh, draconic mage that V would have been. He's, like, serpentine, like a Chinese or Asian dragon, right? Like, long with these, like, multiple legs ending in these sharp talons and this thick tuft of fur down his front, uh, white, glistening, perfectly crystalline scales, and these antlers that come out and rake back viciously, like, behind, like, his skull. And he's getting big, 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 and I think we, like, pan down to your collected party as you all just look up, and we see, like, a shadow fall over your faces as he just gets big, 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 and then we pan back up to him as he gets, like, He finally stops growing when his head is near the ceiling, 120 feet high. Uh, and so much longer than that. He is massive with these like huge front claws and this whipping muscular body and a tail that disappears into the depths of the vault. And Tyrion sort of rears back uh, like a roar sort of bubbling in like the, the back of his throat and it bursts outward and it shakes the fucking chamber. Like you all see like little loose rocks fall from the mural like a crack get through some of the paint. You see like these like golden coins vibrate and jitter all around you like the pillars shake from just the force of his roar. Like I said before, you fools, you challenge an ancient dragon in his lair. This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com.
Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Alex? Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Lyle and Peanut, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scruffisus, and Target.